Artist December, December 1 a.m. Um, talked to Nicolette Polek. She's my guest today, the author of Imaginary Museums, out early this year in January, in the first month of the year from Softball. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of this book. I, I've seen, I say it in the story in the pod, but I've seen Nicolette read a couple times early, pre, pre-lockdown and everything early this year. Um, and, um, yeah, I read it a couple times over the past week. I, I just listened back to the pod just now. Um, yeah, it's interesting because I, I, I'm reading these books super intensely <clears throat> and then coming up with, like, I, I just been thinking about what you can, like, what books are for versus, like, what you can talk about. Like, I feel like in a way, books are about, I'm walking down uh, the street and new street I just moved to so hopefully it's not too noisy but I've been thinking about in a way books are for finding all these nuanced ways and quiet ways of looking at things that you can't normally say like you can't like if you could just say them you would just say them there'd be no point in trying to write them or try to look at things in um kind of like mysterious looking you know respect there's a big sense of like I often read these stories um it's a slim book it's like 110 I think 110 pages there's four sections with uh six or seven little stories in each one in each of the four sections and I I I come away reading Nicolette's stories with like just a sense of like I find them to be funny but then also very mysterious like I feel like it makes me it really it really uh rewards rereading and but basically I was thinking sometimes I read these books and then I come in really hot on these podcasts these conversations trying to say a lot of stuff that like maybe is more part of the book versus whether it's better to just kind of roll with the combos and like go where go where they go but um, no, I, I recommend this book a lot. I'm, I appreciate her for um, being down to talk about it. But um, no, I think it's a good convo. I think we, once I finally kind of let go of my grip of trying to like make all my points <laughs> about the book um, and kind of just let it go where it went, I feel like we went some good places. Um, all right. Hey. Could be an interesting uh, vantage point, a little defamiliarizing. Yeah, well now I see neither of us. So oh, this... now you can't see either. Either. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Oh, we good now? Mm-hmm. So you back? You back at your house in Maryland? <laughs> yes, um, I'm in my house in Oxon Hill, Maryland. Okay in a room I haven't really been spending much time in, so. It looks, yeah, there's so much room stuff in your book, and I've been moving this week from a larger room to a teeny tiny room, so. Oh, you prefer one over the other? I mean, I, I, I've, in a way, I think this is a regression because it's so small, but it's also like completely my own. I had roommates before. I, I don't know why I'm saying all this, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's been a wild time to be moving, but uh, you were able to travel last week, or I went and saw my parents. Yeah, they don't live very far away, and it's just like the three of us when we get together. So nice. I haven't been traveling that much. Just totally. But um, yeah, I relate to the. I like the small room. I prefer smaller rooms to bigger rooms because you can see everything that you own in one place. Totally. Um, I lived in a card room in college. It was called a card room because it was the room in a like a colonial house where the men would go and wait for the women when they were getting dressed before going out to a ball. And so it was this very small, like windowed room. Oh, damn. And they play cards? <laughs> cards, yeah. They play cards. It's like the, the, dance, the dance story where the two characters are going to go dancing and they play gin instead. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I feel that. Yeah, it's like definitely, um, 
So this is your room where you. This is my room. I'm in my room. I jimmied this. Uh, no one could see this, but I jimmy this little bookshelf. I'm just surrounded. Everything has to have a place now, you know. Um, but Are you, uh, a lot of your things aren't that necessary. I'm trying to do that. I've been trying to scale stuff down, but. Yeah. Uh, so many books. I've tried to think of. I was trying to think of a, a idea where, like, I feel like early ideas of like the collector, or like, do you know, like, do you ever read any like Benjamin or anything? I'm coming in hot, but no, I haven't. Okay. Really he has stuff about like the collector and like taking these items and assigning um, like significance to them, and I used to really like that idea, but I think now it just makes me like a hoarder, kind of, you know. <laughs> like I feel like it misled me. <laughs> I feel like the more objects you would have to assign meaning, the less meaning all of them would have, I think. So, right? Does totally. that yeah, I think I'm at that point. I have a bag, I have a book bag full of things that, yeah. But no, it's it, necessity is making me scale it down though. So, um, but I, um, go ahead. I just moved also. So oh. I live with a girl, um, a friend of mine, and we live in a place with too many rooms that we have like no need for it. Oh, wow. Uh, I've been moving between room to room while working on writing. So hence me trying out this room. But it's also strange to, to have. To, I, I guess I'm in the opposite position of you having too much. Space. <laughs> you have multiple rooms. I can't feel it at all. So. <laughs> have you been uh, being able to. To call, I don't know, cultivate a like a practice or writing like yeah i have working or am i what have you or like have you been working or any way or i mean just during the time right now like right now <laughs> um no, I've no, been, yeah <laughs> um i try to write in the morning it is well when you move or when you're finding a new place you have to kind of start over with your rituals and totally so, um at first i didn't have anything but i have been enjoying spending time in this like, particular corner in my basement because it's just white in all the surfaces and it looks kind of like a telethon center. It's oh, damn. warm and um, it's very depressing, but there's nothing that I could really like have mirrored off of myself. So I have to make my space yeah. um, while writing, which is useful versus like, I would much rather prefer being in a room surrounded by my books and things, but maybe I'm more distracted because of it. So, um, but yeah, I guess I'm writing in the morning. I'm doing a lot of outdoor things. We have, we're starting an orchard in the yard. And uh, I just dug a huge hole for a pond. So uh, I feel like engaging with that has helped with writing stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, there's so much. So just to give a history of my interaction with your writing, um, I went to one of your readings where I got the book. I think it was one of the first readings. Christine Scott was there. It was at um, one of the McNally Jacksons, or is that what it's yeah. called? Equal. I always want to say Rand McNally. That's the maps. But um, <laughs> I ended up going to the wrong McNally Jackson and it was like, it was like Anna Wiener's book or something. And I sat there for like 40 minutes until I was like, wait a minute, I don't think this is anyway. So then I came to the other McNally Jackson and then I caught the very end of your reading. Um, and then I talked to Castro for a minute and I got the book and you signed it. I have that copy. Um, and then this is a long story that whatever. Then a couple months later, you read at a different thing where Bud was reading there and um, out in Brooklyn. I don't know if you remember that. That must have been, so this book came out in 2020. So it was early this year. It must've been January or something. Yeah, it was the earliest. So uh, January 14th. Wow. Okay. So that must've been around that time. And that reading was really great. I remember you read Winners and I think um, Girls I No Longer Know, a couple of them. But I just um, anyway, and then and then I read the book when I was up in Vermont early in the quarantine, and I was just in the nature, 
and I was reading the book and I was kind of just like carrying it around with me with a friend walking around for a couple of days in a cabin. Um, and then I, and then I've read it a couple of times since, but um, there's so much nature stuff. I don't know what that leads to. I don't know what that leads to, but I was reading it out there. There's, and there was like all these synchronicities. There was like the guest book story. I was seeing a little cabin filling out the guest book, but my initial perceptions of it, I feel like there's a deceptive, confusing things you're doing that really um, uh, reward rereading partially because how, how short the stories are uh, mm-hmm. where you kind of read through it. I mean, I think I was maybe slightly under some influences when I was first reading it. Cause I was just on a weekend cabin thing. So I was taking certain stuff from it, but um, um, a lot of strange stuff that, that gets tweaked. Um, I don't know what this is leading to, but I remember just you reading winner, the winner story and even stuff with maybe I'll just ask that question. Cause I, I've, I've always thought of this, like, this playing around with the pronouns in that story and the effect it had on people listening to it, where one person goes, oh, Ezra Pound's a woman. And then also when I reread it closely, one of the fellows that are hanging out is also a woman too, which isn't that crazy, but it's like kind of counterintuitive. And I don't know, what, what was, yeah, what was your, what was that about? <laughs> um, with winners, that story? Yeah. That, I mean, I, <laughs> that story specifically uh, was one of the stories that are a little more autobiographical, like that ha- that just happened straight out. Okay. Uh, uh, that was one of my first experiences being in a graduate program. Okay. And I was very struck by how eager everyone was to please each other, no matter what they were saying. Um, so much so that there was no definition for anything, like basically anything was like constantly flexing, um, shifting um, to everyone's like specific, I don't know, it seemed almost like watching like, amoeba, like amoebas or some sort of scientific uh, chemical reaction happen under a, like a microscope. Just, um, but I was the person, I was the person who said um, Ezra Pound and started to doubt myself because of how confident and, um, yeah everyone else in that environment had played off like or continued another fellow's um president they had said right yeah so 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 that that was that so so it's like amoebas adjusting to what has been said and then rolling with that to stay be in the know about what's going on yeah yeah The effect, the effect on a room reading it has, because it has the same effect on me too. I'm going like, wait a minute, what's going on? You know, for a second, like, Ezra Pound's a woman. <laughs> um, no, nah, that was great. Yeah, I, 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 um, yeah. And then, so the, another thing I was, when I was rereading it, it was like, I, I started to think about how much this is like sort of an international project where like the American, so it's four sections. Um, catastrophes, uh, American interior, the Slovak Slovak story uh, section, and then the, the last part. Um, but um, the American interiors comes first. But the whole Slo- Slovak, am I saying that right? Slovak section. Slovak. Slovak yeah. section feels sort of like a like a um, um, like a journey you did, or the a narr- the narrator does there. Um, you know, first section being shown into a spot and then kind of all the different, uh, but of course there's like fantastical elements to it, but how, you might've talked about this on other things, but have you gone back there much? Yeah, I've been there kind of sparingly, but um, I was there the first time 10 years ago, I think, or 10 years ago from last year, so 11 years. Um, and that was my my mother's first time being back since she had left. Okay. And my father hasn't returned back since he's uh, gone from there. So it's usually just my mother and I traveling. But um, and then we went again last year. So okay. and they're usually for like prolonged stays. Um, yeah. 
and you have family back there or no? Yeah, um, so I have on both sides, my mother's side, I have like aunts and uncles and my grandmother is still alive. Um, I have many cousins. My father is one of 10. So all of them are over there and their children. Um, I keep in touch semi-regularly with one of my cousins who has, um, who's like into film and we are about the same age, um, but most of them are older and yeah. What would you say is the biggest difference of being at like life out there? Well, they're a little bit beyond us maybe in, in terms of like where their culture is. They very recently switched to being like a capitalist gotcha. country, um, like a, a communist country for so long. Right. Um, so like very, very, uh, excited about the opportunities that they've received. They're a very much a country that's turning around. Um, they joined the EU. Gotcha. Uh, are, able, like, are better economically than I think they've ever been. Um, so there's a lot of optimism, but also at the same time, I mean, it's such a small country. It's the same size as Ohio, basically. Oh, damn. <laughs> um, I was looking at it on the map today. It's yeah. really just surrounded by all kinds of different countries <laughs> that's what a landlocked country is but it was it was crazy when I looked at it yeah okay yeah I think it would take maybe you know maybe nine or ten hours to take a train from one side to the other um so I think like I mean just politically they're in such a different place right. than we are but um there's a lot more use of nature there and yeah. much more respect for there um, something that my parents kind of integrated in how we live is like foraging and like using the land that's available to you, like public land. Yeah. Um, it's still pretty common or ideal to have um, like a property where you can grow plants and um, food to sustain your family for a year. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you can just like go into a forest and you can pick like plantain for um, for salads and St. John's wort. And everyone's pretty familiar with foraging, uh, like mushroom uh, foraging. And so they, they're not very wasteful because of that. And they don't consume that much because of that. Like they, they aren't going to the store for everything. They also have a different view. Like I... Um, there's such a shift between looking at a park and viewing it aesthetically, like um, as something that's beautiful or changing, but then viewing it as information or like, this is something I can use. Right. Um, so I think a lot of it also. That reminds um, me of, yeah, that definitely feels that um, kind of contrast definitely feels like heavy in the book. Like, um, that makes me think of like the door, the doorstop, which is the original weight of a kilogram, but then it's like fluctuating, fluctuating weight or whatever. But then at the end, it just is like a tool that's used to hold the door open and let the wind in versus, I don't know, there's something about that. Is there something or even like, yeah, I don't know. There definitely was some stuff about, um, or even just like, it's so funny that whole trip I was up there in Vermont reading this book and I was like I, think I was at a pond and I was like taking an Instagram story of like the pond um, but then it makes me think of just like there definitely seems stuff about like you know that the whole fields no stories like reading about things like it seemed like a desire to have like a more like immediate interfacing with like certain elements of the natural world um, no completely yeah and knowing like it's full, everything's full name and its capabilities and um, knowing their purpose, um, like the hunger for that, um, because so much of it uh, just goes unnoticed. And uh, the field note story was something that I wrote after I read Man in the Holocene by Max Frisch. Okay. It was a really beautiful book. And I mean, that book 
um, Max Fritsch, I think he's from Switzerland. I, I'm, I'm having trouble remembering now, but um, the book follows this older man who's maybe on the brink of some, he's on cognitive decline, um, but he's in a small cottage in a mountain village and there's torrential floor. Um, so he he's worrying in, in some ways of the possibility of an avalanche or his his little cottage being smashed by a tree nearby. But yeah. the anxiety more and more unhinged as these fragments continue and he like leaves the cottage in this downpour and gets lost in the woods and um, his thinking becomes so much more obscured and confused when like the the meaning of nature doesn't uh, become so much more powerful than him um, and he can't understand it anymore. Um, I think there's a really beautiful line where like the rocks don't need our memories or something like the sentimentality that we have about nature is something that like nature doesn't care about at all. Right. Um, but the book is also like similarly written to that story, the field notes written in fragments and there's yeah. these like clippings from encyclopedias where he's trying so hard to make sense of the world and know so much that he can, but it doesn't matter because in the end it just kind of, um, he's a bag of words. He just, yeah. but, um, and I relate to that a lot, especially with how like technology is fractured, how I can engage with things I love. So, right. Um, you're talking about the difference between like reading about a butterfly on your phone versus like being the scientist that discovered that butterfly. Um, yeah. And also I feel like, I mean, that's one thing about how we experience nature, but also how we experience each other. I think people like to think they know other people and groups of people because they read about them or have some sense of them from the news or something, but right. it's different from experiencing them. Totally. So, yeah. Have you read, I, I kept thinking of this, um, this Hungarian writer, Laszlo Krasnohorkai. Have you read much of him? No. Of him? Uh, what is the last name? I know Laszlo Kostjelani. Uh, I thought I was just pronouncing it wrong, but I think it's a different one. I say it, Krasnohorkai. I don't okay. know. It's a different I don't know. Anyway, it's it's a hung. I I kept reminding me of it, but then I was reading that one story, and the character's name was Lazlo, so it, it felt less deep than I thought. I was like, "This is," but but it is a similar thing where they're sort of trying to do these tasks, and the whole village is just getting flooded out because there's no roads and stuff, and it just uh, keeps pouring. Like there's that kind of sort of like humor like dark humor, but then also like nature always wins kind of, and like the futility of some task to organize. One guy's at his desk just trying to organize all his stuff, but like to, you know, I don't know. That just made me think of that. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, isn't it a common phrase of um, like rearranging uh, the chairs on the dock when the, not the dock, but the deck when the Titanic is going down. Oh yeah, exactly. Asks like that, yeah. Yeah, that's sort of, and then also like, yeah, kind of around the end of the book is like, in your book, there's like, yeah, that book Satan Tango, by the way, for people, but that's a Krasnorka book I was talking about, but yeah, just organizing spaces, a lot of stuff about spaces. I kept thinking about different different types of spaces and almost like a way you just describe stuff in like a particular and strange way. I don't know. <laughs> Um, that's still not a question. I keep saying that and thinking it's going to lead to something. Um, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of the, the language and was there, is there, what uh, writers do you feel like um, you're working in the tradition of? Like, I, I think with like some of the repetitions or just like the syntactic attention, it reminds me of, some stuff. I mean, Christine Scott was at that reading. I've read a few Christine Scott stories, but there's also weird stuff happening in like a fantastical way. Like there's a dragon, there's like animals talk, doing tasks, talking. Um, yeah. Would yeah. I mean, I was, I guess I was absorbing some like Lish people. Right. Before, kind of before the book was coming out, a lot of the stories when I was editing 
and some of the later stories in the collection were more uh, in that tradition, but um, I don't know if that would necessarily describe the fantastical. I've been finding so many um, writers after the book has come out that yeah. have been writing more in the tradition than um, that I wish almost that I had been reading before. Like Camilla Grudova was one and uh, hmm. there's a few other ones that I've recently come across, but Sheila Hetty was one that I, I read right before I decided I wanted to write a book of very small stories, the middle stories. Okay. Um, except there's a little bit of some fantastical elements happening in those stories um, that I felt very drawn to like the modern fairy tale because yeah. of, but um, I think I departed a little bit more from it than that was before this collection or? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I remember that being like a pretty notable book or me feeling like I would like to write a book of short pieces, kind of like within the shape of this. But um, yeah, I think maybe aesthetically I've been more informed by movies or film. Oh, okay. Then uh, writing, maybe because of how atmosphere is a little bit easier to absorb or like symbols or like that absurdity is easier to get at sometimes with images than having to explain it in text. Sometimes I get frustrated reading like surrealist or absurd literature because it feels more like nonsense. I feel like if you're able to then on the other side like craft a scene where there's a, like a horse in the corner. Um, right without having to explain that there's a horse in the corner <laughs> with the words. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. That's what can happen in films. Yes, okay. yeah. What are some direct, what are some movies or directors that? Well, I'm, there's Ivan Passer, uh, Intimate Lighting was a, a movie that I watched a lot um, and really loved. It's a Czechoslovakian movie, Sun and Annette. A lot of the like Czech New Wave movies. Oh, um, have a lot of, just because of um, the restrictions that they had during uh, like communism, they really forced them to have to rest on symbols and rest Interesting. on... Um, Interesting. To, to subvert some stuff. Yeah, or right. to communicate without right. being explicit. You have to right, be... Right, right. So, um, what, what is, I, I don't want to belabor this, but... And I could probably look on uh, Wikipedia, but oh, sorry. Um, what is what are some like what was going on in the country that your such that your dad had to flee? He left. Um, so because he left twice, the first time when he came to America, he was uh, as a refugee, and then he went back when he was sick and then came again the second time. But he's still in refugee status, but he left because um, just the work that he wanted to do wasn't really possible there. Um, and it was just harder okay. to, um, if you wanted to be an artist, for example, um, unless you were like the five or six that were designated by the government, you wouldn't yeah. have a very getting into college um, to be an architect or however. So he really wanted to do that. He wanted to be an architect and just wasn't possible. Gotcha. Uh, and that was, I guess, like a more aspirational reason why he left. But um, his father was a organ player in a church. Sorry, my phone keeps It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my grandfather, uh, he was an organ player in a church. And uh, at the time, if you were... Um, working in education or working in culture or working in these high offices and we were also involved with a church or with faith mm. you would lose your job and um, oftentimes your family would have a hard time uh, finding a place with employment so that yeah. also to um, that whole side of the family that was kind of 
more difficult for them. Yeah. Damn, that's not really a lot of, that's not a thing that a lot of people encounter, like direct obstruction of basic stuff. Although, yeah, do you feel like, do you feel like that? I mean, obviously impacts how you look at things in, in uh, America, but what do you feel about the state of art right now here? I'm just asking broad epoch statements, uh, questions. It doesn't look good. <laughs> okay, 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 yeah. That's why I always thought, but I wasn't sure. Why do you say that? I don't know, man. <laughs> Is this too much? I just, I don't know. Oh, I I, I don't know. I mean, it, it just seems like it, it, it doesn't, yeah, I might have to think, think of a little more. Yeah, for sure. Diagnosis of why, but oh, okay. yeah. the general thing is that it doesn't, um, yeah, it doesn't seem good. Okay, but you had a good experience um, putting this out with Soft Skull and 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 we're editing it with uh, uh, Yuka. You got it. Yeah. 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 Great. Um, yeah, and, and Soft Skull is really wonderful, um, and yeah, that whole team uh, was very generous and put a lot of time in the book and. Uh, yeah, Yuka's a great editor. So. How long did you guys, how much, yeah, how long did you guys work on it since before it came out? Um, not much. When she uh, acquired it, we did pretty minimal edits to it. Um, most of it was structural uh, changing, like the order of the sections, maybe changing some of the stories within the sections, and maybe I added three new stories. But aside from that, on a sentence level, it was uh, pretty much the same. Yeah. So able to preserve what I wanted, but was able to kind of see the shape of it clearer than I was. So yeah. we worked together, I don't know, it maybe took two months to back and forth. Amazing. It was very easy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, as I read it, more times maybe because i was reading it more intensely because i knew i was going to talk to you but it definitely felt like it had a shape and like recurring things more than when i first read it where i was looking at everything as like just like an individual stories um where you think uh when you're writing stories that short do you feel like sometimes i've been thinking when i'm trying to write something and i go too far like the initial inscription is very important to have clarity on or else like I will write overwrite and then I have a mess. But do you feel like you write, you're, you're cutting stuff down a lot or you have a sense of the bigger picture of what you're trying to do? Or you, do you think of that you're writing this as a whole book or like individual pieces that you're putting together later? It's kind of an annoying question, but. I <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, it, cha it changed. Uh... I guess there's two ways I wrote them. At the beginning, uh, I overwrote the stories and cut back a lot after. Um, but you know what? I wrote them longer and then I put them away. And then I started writing short stories and polishing sentence by sentence and not really moving forward until the previous sentence was pristine. And after I started writing stories in that way, I knew how to go back to the older ones and cut. Right. That way so um yeah the the second method was crucial in how i returned to the first stories but um the shape of it didn't appear until the end the order didn't appear until the end but there are natural ways that it made sense like some stories end with a door opening other ones start with yeah. the door closed you know so i was able to have fun with finding strings and patterns and yeah, there was a moment where I was like, maybe I should have like an actual door that leads to a page and, and you would have to like go out of this. But, you know, I didn't. Oh, well, one time a, door, a tree just falls and uh, closes the door shut. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was one story. Um, yeah, I, I like that stuff of, of um, feeling like the right, like it always, I think I said this before, but there's one like Bolaño image where this um, 
scientist or this geometry teacher is like losing his mind and he like wants to understand like this geometry book of like obscure proofs and then he hangs them all on a clothesline in 2666 and he like lets them get battered by the rain uh-huh. um but like it's just like this direct contact of the writing and then there was one line you had in there where you're talking about like turning over a new leaf or a new page or like a rock to find something under it i don't know it was like that uh again just talking just making nature connections that that just are conversation killers that just reminded me of that and uh i don't know yeah what do you think is uh do you think anything of the 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 merger of the publishing industry or what's going on what's going on with art right now what do you think um well what i think you keep on pointing back to okay thank you again we can finish that off yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i just aborted the the nature because i couldn't didn't know where to go with it well because you're bringing up nature and you're bringing up like the strange images sometimes that i i think i do consciously oh well inherently i'll write things that are more pastoral and more like i i think like maybe even more traditional and i'll i'll in rewriting oftentimes uh, be writing in a completely different uh, atmospheres purposefully. So I'll write almost kind of like, oh gosh, those old scanners or those old printers that print cyan and then yellow and then, um, you know, like they, they print in colors and then okay. like they go over to create an image. Um, what am I trying to say here? I'm, I'm trying to think of one of the stories where I wrote and it was like completely flatly pastoral. And then I wrote in like specific models of chainsaws. Oh, that was yes. the, yeah. And so I, the but thinking one. about my mechanics and then coming back and thinking about like the city and bringing in like a shopping mall or something. So um, writing with like a specific, I don't know, I'm trying to think like the book I'm writing now, for example, I'll, I'll write a chapter of it, listening to Thomas Tallis, okay. um, who's like a 16th century polyphonic uh, choral composer. Okay. And then, um, I'll write that, like I'll write over the same chapter, like listening to Abba and like mm. that will bring completely different contrast in that I know that I need and that I was missing the first time around. So it's kind of controlling or evoking certain parts that I can never quite call to the table at once, but um, I don't know. There's definitely layering of different things like that. There's definitely layering of things like that. The layers of the city, like the layers of the rainforest. The one story that starts out like a parable. Um, mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite stories was the owl story. Um, and it starts out like a parable, this one section of it, but then the two boys like, steal a Lamborghini and there's like a Lamborghini and they drown in the river you know like mixing in um weird you know uh but in a specific way that's so strange um in a yeah I don't know but that's a good example yeah because I those came at different times that wasn't I feel like I'm engaging with the world or writing I can never see all those things at once I need to really spend time with each that's interesting um, so it, it comes, but I know that these are like this, the five types of things that are going on, but I just can't do it all at once. Right. Um, so maybe it's the ordering of how I'm writing it that just turns out really bizarre. And that's what you're feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's like, it's, it's interesting. It makes me like want to go outside. Yeah, I was having an idea that in a way, yeah, it just makes me want to like go outside and confront I don't know the world. Um, good. <laughs> good, 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 good. Um, are you working on a longer thing now or are you working in little things? Yeah, I'm working on um, well, one novel and then another, I guess, just longer form. Who knows if it will be a novel. Um, the first one I've been working on for a while and that's, um, uh, it's based on this woman or it's, it started when I found out about this woman, Marta Beckett, who was a dancer in the 40s, and oh. she um, danced in New York, but ended up leaving New York, and her car broke down in Death Valley, and she decided to start an opera house there. She died a few years ago, 
in 2017. Um, but the book kind of uh, follows a woman who admires her, but also talks about like hermitage and women who uh, put themselves away in order to, to write or to create something. And the thing that really struck me about Marta Beckett, this dancer, when she made this opera house in the middle of nowhere is that um, towards the end of her life, uh, she ended up really disliking people. Um, she wanted to make this beautiful thing for someone to come upon like, um, it's like diamond and the dust. Yeah, the dust, yeah. Yeah, and by the time people started actually coming to her performances, she was very old and they thought, well, this is a little grotesque. And um, she responded pretty poorly to it. She wanted to be buried with her horses in the end. Um, so that, that flip, that paradox of wanting to put yourself away to focus on something, but you need, um, in order for that joy to be complete, you need to be sharing it with someone or with people and um, I don't know. I, I, so that book has been nice to work on because, uh, but also weird to work on because I'm very much, I'm much more alone now than I have any other year because of just how, you know, how we all are. But yeah. it is nice to think there's this Kierkegaard definition of a saint, um, which is to will the one thing. Um, and so thinking will about the one thing, people. Okay. Who will the one thing in their yeah. life um, that, how, that doesn't turn out so well but um. <laughs> yeah that that story has a kind of survivalist ethic um that fits in in the aspects of the book um boundary stuff like there's a lot of like boundary stuff creating your own spaces your own room. I don't even know what rooms meant anymore as I kept reading the book because there are so many different ones and I wasn't sure what symbolic vectors we were operating on, but. Um, yeah, well, so it, that, yeah, thing to bring up there because this book that I'm working on now uh, is in a way like the, the answer to a lot of the stories where like the mm -hmm. vectors and imaginary museums are kind of useless and uh, <laughs> on the of trying to find out what they're supposed to be doing and that's um, like a place where a lot of people find themselves and then this book I'm working on now is like well then how do you go from there to having the will for the one thing or um, the yeah. actual um, so interesting I like that as a continuation of one long investigation like a sustained investigation um, yeah yeah have you been able to go out and into into the i guess you're working on a garden but uh i was gonna say go out into the natures is there nature areas around i don't know why i say the natures that sounds funny um <laughs> around where you are yeah yeah um i go on walks every friday with uh, a friend of mine like a pretty we've been doing it ever since the beginning of the lockdown We've been going to the same park, uh, the Patuxent Research Refuge, which is a part of the USDA. And it's been nice to see a place gradually consistently change every single week. Um, and I don't think I've ever consistently visited a place over the course of a year before. You so. mean just with like the leaves and the weather and stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, since it's a government park. Oh, nice. It hadn't been caring for it so oh okay so not nice longer <laughs> and yeah yeah so oh. would have trouble walking paths and a lot of it was in like kind of consuming itself but uh yeah i in the backyard the fruit trees um i try to go out as much as i can to walk and Later today, my roommate and I are going to try to find eels. We have oh, wow. um, in this area in the DMV, like the, the Maryland, Virginia area. Yeah. You're apparently always 10 minutes by bicycle away from an eel because there's so many of them in, that come from the Sargasso Sea. Oh. Um, yeah, they're all females and you apparently can just go out with 
like raw chicken and they'll just come out from the water. So the rivers? Yeah, the rivers. rivers. And ponds, I guess, behind crevices, but. Wow. Really believe it, but I'll see. <laughs> you know. That's wild. That's awesome. Yeah. No. Um, that's great. That's interesting. Have going you been? Off, go ahead. Have, have you been going out? <laughs> not really. I've been not enough. Not enough. I've been on a. Yeah. There's not really. I just been walking around the city, taking the subway still. Um, I always try to walk to the water though. It's nice to walk to the water, usually on the west side. Um, getting out, getting up to state a little bit, doing some tasks, um, talking your ear off now. But um, I, no, you're good. I, I like, yeah, I like, I just, yeah, I thought that I, 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 this book got better. I read it like three times and it got better every time I read it because I would just, Thanks. such concision and such, yeah. Sh and I think it's like a good, uh, I don't know. I just appreciate that kind of concision. Um, reading a lot of stuff that are really long, um, but um, yeah. So, anything else you want to you want to say before we wrap it up? What do you think? Um, I, I well, what <laughs> what are you are you reading? Anything good? <laughs> um, yeah, I've been reading. Um, what have I been reading? It's been a it's been a wild week where suddenly I have to move and then I just shut down all the reading. Um, what have I been reading? Have you been reading anything? What's the last thing you read? Let me think about it. I can't remember. I'm reading. Let's see. I'm reading Rilke's Duino Allergies and okay. it's to Orpheus. I've started getting into poetry because I a little bit more scattered from, I guess, also moving, but um, in general. Yeah, I like, sorry, I have a, a, my day job that's temporary now is caring for two boys. The one is three, the other is seven. Okay. With their um, like online learning, but also like providing them social contact and like teaching them piano or other things. Uh, and so I've been reading stuff about that. I've been like reading like Waldorf method. What? And just like wondering, like, how do you, yeah. Wait, <laughs> like, I, did you go to Waldorf school? I didn't, no, okay. I didn't. Just given like, how, how can you guide a child with like little material with like the world around them? How do you teach them to engage with the world around them when they're not surrounded by peers? Um, and using that as a classroom, that's been helpful. That's okay. amazing. Yeah, I went to Waldorf school, so eighth grade, and my mom's a Waldorf teacher. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's probably why I picked up on all the nature stuff, <laughs> the, basic, the basic materials. Um, that's, that's, that's wild. That's awesome. Ha, have is, you... To tell me about, I mean, like, well, tell me about your experience with it, but also I might have a question. Yeah. No, well, I mean, I, yeah, I moved a lot growing up and I went to different Waller schools to eighth grade and then, um, but just, uh, and then I went to public school for high school. So, I mean, I mean, on some level, I mean, there's obviously just, you know, a lot of different activities given equal weight, you know, like, I mean, I could, you know, so I could use a needle, I could knit uh, and, or just working, you know, like, I mean, um, some of them just had like a straight up farm and like with animals and stuff, you know, that I went to. Um, so all of that. And then, um, definitely like when I got to high school, it felt like it was like one specific back. And also there's no, you don't have to do anything for, uh, a grade or anything. So it's just, if you want to do it. So like, I definitely felt like once I was in that, in that place where it was like, you know, sheets and grades and stuff, it was really easy. Mm -hmm. That was my experience. Um, and um, survivalist stuff. I don't know. I, I like, you know, feeling like everything is like a project, even like the main lesson book, which is what you do. It's like a book you make, you get a bound book and then you, you fill up all the pages. 
by the end of this at the end of the year so it's almost like you made a book I don't know I sometimes think of that I try to you know I got word docs I just try to like like make a physical book and that helps me like contain it I don't know those are some things what yeah you, yeah reading about doing the we're doing the book thing and um I mean they're young so I mean most of the things we've implemented are like using beeswax or like totally. um but I haven't really been able to strike the balance because they still are, I mean, they, they do go to online school. They have um, like their education that way, but it's such a, I don't know, they're very young. One is three and just, I can't imagine what it's like to be on the computer for half the day totally. um, watching uh, people from a distance. So I, I'm, that's why I reached out to read some stuff about Waldorf education, because it seems to me to be like the, uh, complement or the opposite of they're forced into it's so interesting this happening now because like part of the ethic is like not using you know tv like i don't have a tv in my house to like you know sixth grade i didn't see i, I was uh but um then like and my mom works with like these like activities to like help kids be more like grounded and like in their bodies and stuff um these little exercises but then now she's like making videos of her do like the whole concept of zoom is like antithetical to the whole i don't know it's just really interesting how it's affecting that yeah i mean from what i can tell a lot of the philosophy is to create a sense of safety also like uh yeah children aren't supposed to be really engaged with the news you're supposed to limit like how much of like adult contact but also like uh current events that are happening around them you're supposed to cultivate like a sense of uh that wonder and yeah the child can have as a foundation and then when they grow up they like are well equipped to like experience the reality of things and i think so much of that's so countercultural and almost like counter or it's hard to do because you're stuck with your parents and your parents are experiencing the world right. in a order all day. So they're working from home. And I think a lot of children are becoming like very close mirrors of the world because of it, because they can see everything immediately. Right. Um, and so I wonder what, yeah, what the Waldorf approach would be to now everyone being stuck at home. And, um, right. That's interesting, specifically as a as a uh, counter to what's going on now. Yeah, I mean, I was even thinking about like I think something was emphasized when I was little. I was like imagination, um, which sounds too broad, but I was also thinking like, yeah, I mean, it's in the title of the it's book that you, but uh, but just like I don't know, like being able to take uh, it's a weird thing where it feels it actually seems like you're helps you be more embodied maybe by being able to imagine I don't know it's hard for me to look at it as a as a, at a distance because it was part of my early childhood like so much but mm -hmm. uh, I think there's something about that like something versus like seeing a screen or in, in, in exactly a certain way versus like taking a text or a, a thing and like being able to imagine stuff out somehow that feels part of ethic i don't know well you're also in control then of what you're consuming as a child right like you you design what you want to read you like go right right, right. Can for sure there's is a lot a lot more autonomy given to the student to do what they yeah to like do things versus just like the sheet you go through you check the you know you answer or the wow. windows blasted on your screen and shared right right yeah that's really interesting that's really interesting um but it's over zoom of course yeah yeah i mean they're they're not in a world of school over zoom oh, okay resume gotcha yeah. yeah that's that's super interesting have you been reading like steiner stuff or just like random i read some of steiner yeah, but not too much. Do you have Hard any? To read. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I have philosophy of freedom, which is like the big one. And I always like, I'm going to reckon with my parents and read it. Uh, and then 
I read it. I, I, I'm going to read it at some point. It's, it's hard to read that stuff is, but that's, I, I think about that stuff as yeah. Anyway, I, I want to go into that more. I feel like the investigations, once I'm done saying my stuff, then I just have to go to my parent parental level, which I feel like you already kind of went to a little bit in your investigations of this book. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, yeah, I haven't read much. <laughs> but um, yeah, the only book I've read that I can, the book I read last week was uh, the, the Rings of Saturn, that Zabal book that I wanted to read for a long time. Have you read that? Yeah, it's a great book. I really like how it uses images. Um, and it's almost very similar to how that book, The Man in the Holocene by Max okay. Frisch, uh, also uses images and experiences memory and like the dismantling of memory. I feel like, I don't know, when I was reading Rings of Saturn, it felt like I was like a deep sea diver and like slowly, not slowly, quickly going to the surface and like experiencing the bends. Um, And the Max Frisch novels, the complete opposite or reverse experience, but I loved Yeah, I mean, yeah, now that I think about it, there's a lot of kind of like the mind, like, Nature, nature stuff, entomology, is entomology, insect stuff. <laughs> yeah, a lot of, yeah, my <laughs> vocabulary. Yeah, but um, that's actually kind of relevant. Yeah, that was a mind blowing one. I that made me rethink how to go on completely. Um, but um, but yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. I wonder how how that will um affect your study your your, study, your Waldorf stuff will affect I guess you're already kind of there's definitely a lot of that kind of energy in your writing so it kind of makes sense but beeswax is good I think warming yeah. warming things up gradually um does yeah something. given taking it to yeah. it yeah that's awesome um, yeah yeah I'm trying to see other nature stuff I joined like the Mycological Society of Washington, D.C. That's mushrooms, fungi. Yeah, yeah, fungi. It's a funny time to join uh, like during this stuff because it's all on Zoom. And oh, wild. Like we still have these like forays where originally we would go out and there would be an expert kind of giving us an overview of how to identify like which ones are poisonous and which yeah. ones aren't. Um, but now we like submit photos and then they like put them in a slideshow and it always ends with, you have to see it in person. So, <laughs> no. There's something oh man. To, yeah. But it's, it's good. It's That's all awesome. Good. Fun. But it's, yeah, it's, it's been a good year though for it because of like the long summer and the late frost. So we kind of had like a uh, more time for mushrooms, but. Okay. Yeah, it's been warm for longer this year. Yeah, I think of mushrooms as interesting. Um, ever since I read that Terrence McKenna book about mushrooms, but as like a thing that reproduces by itself. I think that's a distinguishing characteristic of the fungi. They reproduce by Sorry, there's a big jet. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. They just reproduce. They just, there's no like two, two things. You know, there's yeah. no there's no spore and uh, my flower terminology stamen. I don't know. There's no seed and they just like they just yeah. Well, they come forth from like the decomposition. They're like the pimples of the earth. They oh damn eyes up, but out up. <laughs> there's so many in fall, but um, yeah, that's. And they're also the largest living organisms too. So there's something beautiful about that too. Nice. Um, yeah. Well, do you feel like your whole book stuff got stilted with the with the stuff, or you've been you've been doing different off road uh, podcasts and interviews and stuff? Or oh, with like imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty much wrapped up by the time uh, we started uh, when like the stay-at-home order was in place. But uh, 
I was supposed to go to like Bennington College to visit and there was a few other things that had been canceled, but for the most part, I was lucky that everything uh, happened so early. Yeah. But it felt like that was the thing that started the year and then like a lot of lost months went past where yeah. nothing. Yes. Time to crank out the crank out the next things, I guess. I don't know. Read up on all their stuff. Um, sweet. Okay. Well, I can kill this recording. I think that's a good uh, hour. Um, and then, um, sweet. <laughs>